encouraging to you as you have been so encouraging to us by being here. We're going to get started in Ezekiel, the 22nd chapter, here in a few moments. It's about 597 B.C., and you are living in Babylon. You've been stripped from your home, stripped from your friends, stripped from your family, stripped of your name, stripped of everything that makes you, you. Everything has changed and nothing is the same. You're forced to learn an entirely new and different way of life. You're forced to learn new customs and new practices. You're forced to eat different types of foods. Everything is different. Nothing is the same. All of your life, you've had high hopes and dreams and expectations of living in the comfort and the security of Israel. You had high hopes and dreams and expectations of serving as a priest in the temple all of the days of your life. But now things are different. Now you are in Babylon. Now your once beloved nation of Israel is lying in ruins. There are babies and infants who are starving and who are fainting in the streets. There are, there are fathers who are so hungry that they look at their own deceased child and resort to cannibalism. There are children who are so hungry that they look at their own deceased fathers and they're resorting to cannibalism. There are priests who were once very handsome and glorious and pompous who now have skin as black as soot. Their skin is dry as wood and it is stuck to their bones. There are dead bodies, bones, and ashes scattered all over Jerusalem, your beloved hometown. And as you consider all of this, as you think about the state that you are in, as you think about how you are a slave, how you are held captive in Babylon, as you think about how your once beloved nation of Israel is now lying in ruins, you ask yourself, how in the world did I get to this point? How in the world did my nation get to this point? Then as you consider all of the events that led up to this point, you realize that it's no one's fault but your own. When you saw the moral, spiritual, and the political decline of your nation, you sat back and did absolutely nothing. When you saw the idolatry, when you saw the rampant sexual immorality, when you saw the false teaching and the false prophets and the, the corrupted priesthood, when you saw all of this, when you saw the wickedness, you sat back and did absolutely nothing. And this type of behavior has obviously kindled the Lord's wrath. God is obviously upset with his people who have turned their backs on him. And God is about to pour out his wrath upon the nation. But, but, you and I both know that God is very loving. He's very patient. He's very kind. And so when he saw all of this corruption... He looked among the nation and he sought for a man. He looked for a man who would say, hey, God, hold on a second. Don't destroy us yet. Just give us a little time. I'll, I'll, I'll help the nation get back to, to, to following you. Just, just wait a second. God, God searched out the city. He tried to find one righteous man who would do that. He tried to find one righteous man who would stand in the gap on behalf of his people and appease the Lord's wrath before God destroy them. God tried to find such a man, but he couldn't find one. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 22, in verse number 29, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 29, the people of the land have practiced extortion and have committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and needy and have extorted from the sojourner without justice. 
And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. God tried to find such a man, but I found none. And so, verse 31 Therefore I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their heads, declares the Lord. This is why you are in Babylon. This is why you are a captive. This is why you are a slave. This is why your once beloved nation of Israel is scattered with dead bodies, bones, and ashes. Because God looked for a man among you who would stand in the gap and appease his wrath. I want to take a slight departure from Ezekiel chapter 22. As many of you may know, I enjoy preaching textual sermons. I like to pull a passage of scripture and allow the text to make the point. Unfortunately, this morning, I cannot preach a textual sermon from Ezekiel chapter 22. I cannot show you from Ezekiel chapter 22 what it looks like for a man to stand in the gap. I can't show you from Ezekiel chapter 22 how a man can, can, can act on behalf of his nation and speak to the Lord and appease the Lord's wrath. I can't show you that from Ezekiel chapter 22. Because God tried to find a man in Ezekiel chapter 22 who would stand in the gap, but he didn't find anybody. And so this morning, I'm going to have to go beyond Ezekiel chapter 22 to show you what it looks like for a man to stand in the gap. Thankfully, thankfully, there's Psalm 106. In Psalm 106, we find a man who stood in the gap. In Psalm 106, the psalmist describes the events that happened shortly after Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And we know that despite the Lord's great love, care, and concern for His people, they constantly rebelled against Him. They constantly turned their backs on God. They were constantly sinning. And we know when Moses went up on that mountain to receive the law from God, the people were down in the valley making idols. And God was about to destroy them. God was upset. He was about to completely wipe them out. But thankfully... Thankfully, there was a man by the name of Moses who stood in the gap. The Bible says in Psalm 106, in verse 19, speaking of the children of Israel, they made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Verse 23, Therefore God said He would destroy them. He wants to wipe them out just like He wants to wipe the children of Israel out during the days of Ezekiel. But, but, God found a man by the name of Moses, His chosen one, who stood in the gap before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. God couldn't find such a man in Ezekiel chapter 22, but here in Psalm 106, he found such a man. He found such a man who acted on behalf of his nation and appeased the Lord's wrath so that God would not destroy the nation. And so this morning we ask ourselves the question, what does it take for a man to stand in the gap? What did Moses do to appease God's wrath on that horrific day? We're going to have to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy chapter 9 gives us a little more information about what happened on that horrific day. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 9, Moses is explaining the events of that day. And he says in Deuteronomy chapter 9, 
in verse number 11. Deuteronomy 9, verse 11, And at the end of the forty days and forty nights, the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord said to me, Arise, go down quickly from here. For your people whom you have brought from Egypt have acted corruptly. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made themselves a metal image. Furthermore, verse 13, the Lord said to me, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stubborn people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. God is about to destroy the people, but we saw in Psalm 106 he didn't because Moses stood in the gap. How did Moses stand in the gap? First thing that he did, point number one, is he called out sin. Moses called out the people's sin. As the text continues, Moses leaves the mountain, and the Bible says in verse 15, Moses speaking, So I turned and came down from the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands, and I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made yourselves a golden calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. So I took hold of the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. When Moses left that mountain, when he saw the people engaged in sin, he called out their sin. He did so by literally and physically breaking the law, breaking the tablets of stone that were on the law, that the law was on. People had broken the law. Moses breaks the tablets of stone that the law was written on. He didn't go down there on the bottom of the mountain and act like everything was fine and dandy. He didn't go down there on the bottom of the mountain and, and just ignore the sin problem and, and, and just hide in his comfortable little corner and, and, and live righteously all by himself. He didn't pretend as if it was not that big of a deal. Moses called out the sin. Moses let the people know that they had transgressed the will of God. He let the people know that he was upset. He let the people know that God was upset. And he let the people know that they too should have been upset. Moses was able to stand in the gap because he called out the nation's sin. But not only that, Moses was able to stand in the gap because he prayed and fasted for his people. In Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse number 18, after he breaks the law, after he physically and literally breaks the law, the text says in verse 18, Then I lay prostrate before the Lord, as before, forty days and forty nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all of the sin that you had committed in doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure that the Lord bore against you, so that he was ready to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me that time also. Verse 20, And the Lord was so angry with Aaron that he was ready to destroy him, and I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. How did Moses stand in the gap? He called out sin and he prayed and fasted for his people. Moses was so upset. He was so enamored. He was so disturbed over the nation's sin problem that he got down on his knees. He fell prostrate before the Lord. He stopped eating and drinking for 40 days and 40 nights because, because he wanted to talk to God. He wanted to have a little talk with God for his people. He stood in the gap. He was so upset. He was so afraid, as verse 19 says. He was so afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure of the Lord 
against his people that Moses spent some time talking with God for his people. That's how he was able to stand in the gap. He called out their sins and he prayed and fasted for his people. But not only that, not only that, Moses was able to stand in the gap because he helped the nation get rid of the problem. He helped the nation get rid of their sin. The text continues to say in Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse number 21, after Moses prays for them, the text says, then I took the sinful thing, the calf that you had made, and burned it with fire and crushed it, grinding it very small until it was as fine as dust. And I threw the dust of it into the brook that ran down from the mountain. In Exodus chapter 32 and verse 20, we find out that Moses did something else. Not only does he grind up this golden calf, but he pours the dust and the ashes into water and he makes the people drink it. Moses got rid of the sin problem, literally and physically. Not only, not only did he get rid of the golden calf, not only did he get rid of the idol, but he got rid of every single person who was against the Lord. In Exodus chapter 32, we find out that Moses got rid of the bad influence. Exodus chapter 32, and starting in verse number 29, please turn there with me. Not only did Moses get rid of the idol, but he got rid of the bad influence. Exodus chapter 32, and verse number 25, the Bible says, and when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother, his companion, and his neighbor. Moses says, hey, hey, children of Israel, who's on the Lord's side? If you're on the Lord's side, come here. Everyone who's on the Lord's side, everyone who proclaimed to be followers of God came to Moses. Moses says, all of those people who aren't over here, kill them. Kill your brother, kill your neighbor, kill your companion, kill them all. Get rid of the sin. If they're not on God's side, wipe them out. Moses was able to stand in the gap because he called out the nation's sin, because he prayed and fasted for his people, and because he got rid of the sin problem. How different, how different things would have been for that young Jewish Israelite boy who's living in Babylon, who's been stripped from his friends, stripped from his home, stripped from his family, stripped from everything that he has known. How different things would have been for that young Jewish Israelite who's a captive in Babylon had God been able to find one man like Moses in Ezekiel chapter 22. How different would things have been for the nation of Israel that was lying in ruins? How different would the nation of Israel be how different would things be 
for those babies and those infants who are starving and who are fainting in the streets back in Jerusalem? How different would things be for, for those fathers who have to eat their own children and the children who have to eat their own parents? How different would things have been for the nation of Israel in Ezekiel chapter 22 had God been able to find one man like Moses who was willing to stand in the gap and appease the Lord's wrath? Let's bring this home. Today is June the 17th, 2018, and we're not there yet. We're not in Ezekiel chapter 22. God hasn't poured out his wrath on us yet. We're not living in Babylon. We're not slaves. We're not captives. Children aren't starving and fainting in the streets. There aren't dead bodies and bones scattered all over our nation. We're not there yet. Things are good. We're living in America. We're lying on beds of ivory, as, as Amos would say. We're living in paneled houses. We, we, we have the good life. We're not there yet. God hadn't destroyed us yet. Every new day, every new moment, every new hour, every minute that we have is an expression of the Lord's love, grace, mercy, kindness, and patience. And so since the Lord has blessed us with time, May we use this time to develop ourselves into men like Moses who will be able to stand in the gap before the Lord for our people so that God will not destroy us. May we use our time to do that, develop ourselves into that type of person. Today is Father's Day. And it's very, very interesting that in Ezekiel chapter 22, in verse 29 through 31, the Lord said, I sought for a man. I sought for a man who would build up the wall and who would stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy the people. I sought for a man. It takes a man to stand up to God. It takes a, a, a righteous man to, to, to appease the Lord's wrath. It takes a righteous man to make a difference in this world. It takes a righteous man to stand in the gap. And so today, men, I challenge you to develop yourself into the type of man that Moses was. Develop yourself into the type of man who is willing to call out sin. We're living in a world where, where you can't tell somebody that they're wrong. You can't tell somebody that they're, they're living in sin. You can't tell somebody that they're, they're, they're headed for hell. You can't do that. That's not socially acceptable. That, that doesn't um, fit the status quo. That's not normal. You, you can't do that in our nation. But God needs men. Our world needs men. Our, our country, our state, churches, communities, families need men who couldn't care less about the status quo. We, they couldn't care less about what is socially acceptable. God needs men who care more about him. They care more about righteousness. They care more about truth. They care more about appeasing the Lord's wrath and standing in the gap. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, the Bible says that if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. We can call out sin. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 20, the Apostle Paul would write to Timothy, someone who is uh, persisting in sin, rebuke them sharply in the presence of all. Call out sin. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul would write to Timothy, the word of God is, 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 is breathed out by God and is, is for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction. 
If we are not willing to stand up and call out sin, then we are not using the Bible for what it is meant to be used for. The Bible is, used, is supposed to be used for reproof and for correction. Yes, yes, we want to call out sin in a gentle and patient and loving manner, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Yes, we want to check ourselves and examine ourselves before we call out sin and judge someone else, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 5. But we should call out sin. God needs men. God needs strong men. God needs brave and courageous men like, like John the Baptist in Acts chapter, excuse me, Mark chapter 6. God needs men like John the Baptist who will stand up to people and say, hey, hey, you're not supposed to be with that woman. That's wrong. John the Baptist got his head chopped off for it, but he couldn't care less about what everyone around him thought. He cared about righteousness. He cared about calling out sin. We need men like Stephen. Stephen in Acts chapter 7, he told the, the Jewish religious leaders, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised in hearts and ears, which one of the, the prophets did not your forefathers kill and persecute just like you killed and persecuted the Son of God? That's what Stephen said to those Jewish religious leaders. He called out their sins and he was stoned to death because of it, but he couldn't care less about it. He couldn't care less about what people thought. All he cared about was righteousness. He cared about serving and honoring God. We need men today who have that same type of attitude. We have to do it. Call it out. We need someone to. We need someone to stand in the gap. Otherwise, the Lord may just pour out his wrath on us very, very quickly. And that's a very scary and terrifying thing. Not only that, we need men who are willing to pray. We need men who are willing to pray. We need men who have so much love, care, and concern in their hearts. So much grief over the status and, and, and the way that this world has, has become. That they fall on their knees, laying prostrate before the Lord every single day, praying for this world, praying for our nation, praying for our leaders, praying for our churches, praying for our parents, praying for our young people. We need men to pray. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 16, the Apostle John would say, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, pray for him and God will give him life. If you see someone out there who's living in sin, if you see somebody out who's out there and they're on the wrong path, your prayer can change their route. Your prayer can reroute them. We need men to pray. James chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says, The effectual and the fervent prayer of a righteous man has great power and is working. God needs men to pray. We need men to pray. We need men to stand in the gap before God, for the nation, so that he will not destroy us. But third and finally, we need men who will help us get rid of the problem. We need men to get rid of the problems. We need elders. We have elders here thank the Lord, who help us get rid of the problem. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing to a congregation of people who had been tolerating a man who has been having inappropriate relations with his father's wife. And, and, and Paul enters into that church and he sees that they're just acting as if everything is okay. Everything is just fine and dandy. And Paul says, you should, you should be grieving. You should be upset about this. Get that man out of the church. 
Purge the evil person from among you. Get rid of the problem. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little sin in the church corrupts everybody. A little sin there in Deuteronomy chapter 9 during the days of Moses. If, if Moses had just let all of those sinful men and women just uh, live and, and thrive and act like everything was okay. If Moses hadn't gotten rid of the problem. If Moses had just left the idols there. Things would have been even worse. God would have wiped them out. But thankfully Moses stood in the gap and he got rid of the problem. We need people to have the same attitude and the same mindset that Moses had, have the same attitude and the same mindset that the Apostle Paul had in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Jesus got rid of the problem. In Matthew chapter uh, 21, he goes into the temple and fashions together a cord and drives out the people. He gets the sin out of the temple. We have to get rid of the problem. And we need men who are willing to do that. We need men who are willing to encourage us to get rid of the sin in our lives. In James chapter 5, James chapter 5, in verse number 13, excuse me, verse 19. James chapter 5, verse 19. If my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's the point. That's why we're trying to get rid of the problem. That's why we purge the sin from the church. That's why we get rid of all of the bad influences out of our lives so that we can save each other's souls from death, so that we can help each other save our souls from death. During the days of Ezekiel, the Lord was upset with his people. He was angry with his people. He was set to destroy his people. He tried to find one man, tried to find one man in the nation who would, who would stand in the gap, who would stand up before him for the land and appease his wrath so he wouldn't destroy them. He wasn't able to find such a man. Thankfully, we have a great example of one who did that. I have an example of a man by the name of Moses who stood in the gap. Moses stood in the gap because he called out sin. He prayed and fasted for his people, and he helped the nation get rid of the sin problem. May we today, brothers and sisters, develop ourselves into the type of person, men, may you develop yourselves into the type of person that Moses was, who was willing to stand in the gap for his nation. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful day that you have blessed us with. We thank you so much for being our God. We praise you and we adore you. We thank you so much for your word and the simplicity of it. We thank you for examples in scripture uh, where we can see what it takes to, to be the type of man that, that will, will act on behalf of, of his people and, and appease your wrath. We pray that the men today can develop themselves into the type of person who have so much boldness and confidence and faith in you that they are willing to call out sin when they see it. We pray that we can have men who develop themselves into the type of people who are always praying for the world around them. And we pray that we have men here who will help 
one another, get rid of the sin that may be in someone's life. We thank you so much for Jesus and his great sacrifice and all that it means to us. And we ask all of these things in his name. Amen.